Why 480? It's the number that drives our work lives. 480 minutes. That's all you have every workday. And the decisions that you make each minute can change everything. When you plan out your business goals over the next two years, that's only 480 workdays to get it done. In your entire 40-year career, you've only got 480 months to make an impact with your work. Time is the limit we can't control. Because time is your most precious resource. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. In this episode of the Leadership 480 Podcast, we continue our conversation with Noy Deliaco, a retired executive, as he talks about the difficult conversations all leaders must have. Noy, let me ask you about one of the absolute hands-down toughest parts about being a leader, and that's having really difficult conversations whether you're giving someone feedback uh, on their work that you know they may need to improve or there's something they need to address, or even you know, having to let someone go. Uh, you know, as a leader, uh, for all the years that you were, were in leadership roles, did that ever get easier? No. <laughs> <laughs> so if it didn't get easier, then how did you just sort of, you know, I, I know whenever I would have to have a difficult conversation as a leader, uh, you know, I, I might not sleep very well the night before or it would really weigh on me. I mean, is that just something that you kind of get used to, for lack of a better word? Or what's what's sort of the secret to developing some level of comfort with having to have those conversations? The difficult part is when someone who is seen as a performer all of a sudden disrupts the organization by doing things that they should not have done. And this is where the, the unease comes in. Uh-huh. But before I, before I go to that, I think the easy part is during performance appraisal moments or, or, or days, it's easy to, to deal with the performer. Conversation is pleasant, high fives after the session, and see you next year for your next uh, right for your next uh, evaluation. I used to do this trick with everyone when it came to performance evaluation. I would say, here's the rating sheet. You rate yourself, and I will also rate you. When we get together, let's compare notes. Somehow, that sort of eases the discomfort. Yes. What I also found is that more often than not, most people, in fact, many people would underrate themselves. So for example, on a scale of five, I would first ask them, okay, so here, when it comes to communication, how would you rate yourself? Oh, here I think I've I've actually had the guy saying, I've let you down. I've let you down here, I think I rate myself a three or a two when I would rate them a four. Uh, of course, some, some guys have said, oh, I rate five. <laughs> Those were exceptions. Right. Now, so, so this process has helped me and the staff to have a more comfortable conversation. Uh-huh. And in the end, um, by the way, when I say, no, no, I think I'd rate you a three here instead of your four. 
My neighbor said, okay, it's okay. No problem. And I think the, the, the key is to find out at the end exactly what they would, how they rate it. But this process has helped me, uh, like I said, to remove the, the discomfort. Now, firing people is another, is another matter. And uh, yes, uh, it's very discomforting. And it doesn't get any easier because the, the circumstances are different mm -hmm. from one person to another. I used to have a, a boss who couldn't fire others, and he would call me and say, take care of this guy. I said, what has he done? Here's his dossier. Talk to him. <laughs> so, so I would tell the other person, look, I don't know what's happened, but this is, a, this is the report, and I think we're better off if you're no longer in this organization. Um, there have been some some bitter moments. Sure. Uh, but in the end, I felt it was necessary to protect the, the enterprise. There, there's a course, Craig, uh, there's a DDI course called Strategic Leadership Experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which I had the privilege to, to run together with one of your facilitators. Yeah, the Strategic Leadership Experience for our listeners is a DDI course, it's uh, run over a number of days, and it is a, uh, a simulation that leaders moving up to a strategic leadership role can go through to learn what it's like in that role. One of my favorite uh, roles there is called Guardian of the Enterprise. And... and I think it's important that if you're a leader, you have to guard the enterprise. Of course, for good reasons. Sure. And if it includes having to let go of people who you may be friends with, or maybe you've even hired, then uh, we, we just set aside the, the relationship part and stick to, to the situation. Yeah. And again, more often than not, when confronted with this, the, the staff uh, accepts the, the outcome. Yes. One guy I had to fire had defrauded a supplier. And I said to him, I, I had a call from a supplier, and he tells me that you've been uh, receiving bribes. And he said, you don't, have the, you don't have the proof. I said, I don't need to have proof. He's telling me, and he's ready to show me proof. But I don't even want to go there. I said, I need your resignation. This was not happening at 9. I need your resignation on my desk at 12 noon today. Then he left in a half, very angry. I was thinking, what's going to happen at noon? At noon, he, uh, he comes to my office with a letter, finished. I think sometimes it takes, uh, I don't know how you call it, uh, political will, as they say. Yes. You just have to, to bite the bullet and, and, and do it. I mean, there's no ifs, no buts. It's never easy, never like easy. you said. No. Let's talk about something a, a bit different. So 
leading a team through a period of change, which just seems like it's such a common demand on leaders these days. Um, you must have done this multiple times over the course of your career, you know, having to lead people through times of change and transition. What advice would you offer our listeners for how to do that effectively? First of all, every time there's a change in the organization, it disrupts everyone. And the comfort zones are disturbed. So I, I think the, the the first advice I would give is, by all means, announce the change in no uncertain terms. Make sure that everyone is uh, thoroughly informed. Make room for those who doubt and allow them to come back and say, can I have a one-on-one -on -one with you because I don't agree with what I heard. But I'd say <clears throat> announce a change, but go slow until you're sure that everyone is, on, is, is with you on it. Because in, in the end, you need everyone to be with you. You cannot just say, today we will uh, abolish this department and create a super department headed by so-and-so. It, it, it's very disruptive. Sure. Um, in, my, in my last position at Nestle, where I had uh, the job of director of communications, we had a massive uh, org change in our in our sales organization. We we moved from direct selling to distributorship, which means we had to let go of many people, some very talented, because they were no longer necessary. Right. So we had to help HR prepare a massive. Uh, presentation to the staff. And we had to do this in groups. Mm -hmm. Why? What's the change? Why are we doing this? What are the benefits to, to those concerned? And, uh, and, and that, that worked. We, we also said uh, if you need one-on-one uh, -on -one consultations, here are the people to, to talk to. So announce it. Make it clear. Make sure everybody understands what, what's in store, but go slow. In our case, we said this will not happen until X month. So it's not as if it's happening tomorrow. Right. What do you think is the most important skill or ability a leader needs to have? To me, to me communication is, is the most important. Because the leader who has the appropriate skill, skills in communication can then move on to do other things. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the leader has to announce his vision, describe his vision. A leader must be a storyteller. You know, if, if his vision is... We want to be the, the best-performing coffee business in this part of the world. He has to tell that story 
in, in many different ways so that the people are inspired. And this is all communication. I'm, I'm um, again here, I'm, I'm led by what I read or what I read. There's a guy named William Zinser who, who wrote a book on writing well. Yes, wonderful book. And I, I can never forget what he said. When you communicate, he said, you have to be single-minded, you have to be clear, you have to be concise, and you need a touch of humanity. I'm beautiful. And I'm trying to follow that uh, whenever I have to, to communicate anything. Single-minded, clear, concise, and then I add a little bit of, of humanity in there. Um, someone also said, and this one I, I use in my, my DDI facilitation work before, reason leads to conclusion, but emotion leads to action. And I think the leader has to embrace all of this. Because once you have the perfect skills, everything else follows. Empathy, listening, influencing people. Otherwise, if you cannot communicate what you have in mind, how will people act or react? Craig, to me, everything revolves around how one can effectively communicate his vision, and more importantly, uh, how the staff can then begin to break that down into doable parts uh, so that they can be let go and, and do whatever they have to do. We're talking to Noy Diliaco, a retired executive, about his experiences as a leader. Just a few more questions for you here, Noy. Um, and we just talked about uh, the importance of communication as a skill all leaders must have. But is there a leadership skill or ability that you think is overrated or maybe gets too much attention? I was reading about introverts, Susan Cain. And I, uh, I kept smiling along the way because I'm, I consider myself an introvert. I remember when I was, what, maybe 10, 12 years old, there was a big party in our, neighbor, in, in our neighbor's house. And my father said, why don't you go there? We're invited. I said, I don't have to go there. I don't know anyone there. He said, well, the idea is so you can meet people. I said, I don't need to meet people. I'm happy. I'm happy staying home. So Susan Cain talks about uh, the power of introverts, you know, in a world that can't stop talking. I think, the, to me, what's, under, what's overrated, that's what was the question, right? Overrated. Correct, yes. To me, I think what's overrated is the bias towards extroverts as natural leaders. And I had just seen a Netflix uh, documentary on, on Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, it's Tony Robbins versus Susan Cain. Um, and Susan Cain says a third to 50% of people are introverts. And then she, she goes on to say, our research studies show that introverts, in fact, when they lead a team, are able to achieve more because they have focus. And they allow the members of the team 
to work alone the way they would do themselves, as opposed to extroverts who will demonstrate a spurt of energy, but in the process they'll be all over the place and maybe not get things done as quickly or as thoroughly as an introvert leader would do. So to me, I think that's probably, so it's not so much a skill, but a personality trait. Right. So by the time you finished your career, you were a senior leader. Um, what advice can you offer based on your own personal experience for leaders who aspire to move up? First of all, I would tell them, demonstrate that you're good at what you were hired to do before you even say, I want to be CEO in three years. Um, so if we hire you as a middle manager to, to look over a certain team or a certain project, do the best that you can, deliver what you've been asked to do, and make your bosses proud that they hired the right guy. After that, once they begin to notice you, then find ways to begin to express your own interests or desire. Nothing wrong with that. And say, you know, uh, I think I can also try this particular job. So the second point I'd like to say is be dispensable. Allow yourself to to grow out of your current job. Mm -hmm. So you can do something else. And, but again, if you move to a new job, to a different job within the same company, again, make an effort to excel. Whether it's sales, whether it's communication, whether it's HR, just excel. Along the way, they will notice you, and this is where your opportunity will come in and say, you know, I would like one day to maybe work in Pittsburgh or work in Switzerland uh, to advance my career because I still don't know a lot. And I think, I think the bosses would, uh, would appreciate that, being, being forthright. And to me, it's not seen as, as being too ambitious, too assertive. It's, it's just expressing a, an interest. And during the performance evaluation there's a portion there that says where do you where do you see yourself uh, progressing in this company right and that's a good opportunity to to express your interest or desire good stuff so one of the um, you know our, our our conversation today is you know is, is we're being reflective we're, we're looking back over over your career and one of the great advantages of looking back is you can look back and, and you know, a sort of a sense of realization that, you know, maybe I worried too much about this one thing that I probably shouldn't have worried about, or maybe I should have spent more time on this one area over here that I didn't spend as much time on. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, what were, was, was there one thing you could identify that you maybe 
either worried too much about or spent too much time on? And the flip side of that, was there something you wish you would have done more over the course of your career? I worked many years with marketing people who were developing launch plans for new products and new advertising, etc. And through the years, there was this there was this notion that if you're launching a new product or a new campaign, it has to happen on Easter Sunday. Why? Nobody knows. I challenged that. I said, who watches television on Easter Sunday? And I was told, well, here are, here's the data. So what, what I'm saying is, during this period, the young guys, would pressure themselves, including the agency, to develop this new campaign. And I'm not talking one one brand, I'm talking several brands. Right. And I used to tell them, do you really think your consumers are lining out there on Easter Sunday, waiting for your new ads? I said, what, what happens if you were to, to not advertise on Easter Sunday? Um, so, how how I wish I could influence, but I, I was never able to influence them to do otherwise, <laughs> because this was a this was a habit, uh, and and in fact recently I asked the question, are you still advertising on Easter Sunday? And the answer was yes. Um, so I think there are certain habits among, well I was working with with marketing staff mainly, that that's that are difficult to to change, and. In a way, I, I empathize with them because they drive themselves crazy, more so the agency to, I mean, rather than have a week of rest during the Easter week, uh, they're out finishing adverts, etc. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, you definitely answered the question. Only one question that we ask all of our guests, and I want to ask this of you today. Can you share a moment of leadership that had an impact on you? I was listening to your podcast with Wayne, and, and, and I came across this question. I don't know, what's, a, what's a good moment of leadership that I can share? This will be a, a, long, a long reply, Craig. Uh, back in the early 90s, our CEO in Switzerland started to issue what he called Blueprint for the Future. This was his vision on how Nestle was going to do certain things in certain areas. And he had a blueprint uh, for the future on communication a thick uh, document where he said anything that the company communicates the CEO is finally responsible for it however he said the CEO has no time to look after every piece of communication that's why he needs a senior executive to help him do the job and this is how the job of communications director came about. Right. His vision is that 
this person would report directly to the local CEO, and together they would vet communication materials of all kinds. Now, up until this time, the group managers in each of the businesses were doing the vetting. So again, <laughs> here I come, announcing to everyone, hey guys, I will now be involved in the decision-making process, and boy, this was approved. I mean, this was, this was met with great uh, resistance, a very lukewarm uh, response. One guy even said, why should I now show him what I could approve previously? I said, I'm sorry, I'm just here to do a job. Fortunately, during the time, uh, we would have global CD conferences. And I remember distinctly, one day in Switzerland, we had, we were, I was having breakfast with my counterpart from the U.S. And I asked him, I said, Al, how do you get your job done? And he was relating to me the same experience. I step in, group product managers dislike what I was doing, dislike the role. He said, I'll tell you what. Pick on the low-lying fruits. Ignore everybody else. Get someone uh, and help him find a solution to his communication problem. Pick the simplest one. Before long, he said, word will get around what you've done. And what will happen is they will start queuing outside your room. So I come back. I found a guy. He was in charge of KitKat. And he said, no, I, I bought six trucks. They're plain. I want to put KitKat design in all of them. KitKat, the, the candy bar. Yes. Yes. But I don't have the money, and I don't even know how to make the design. I said, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you with the design. I'll help you with the cost to install the design. I'll pay 50%. So you take care of the three trucks, I'll take care of the three. We did that. At the end of that production, I said, do me a favor. Park all six cars in the parking lot to the office where everybody can see. It worked like magic. <laughs> as early as 9 o'clock, people were saying, who did those uh, trucks? Who did the design? What is the cost? So yes, before long, there was queue outside my room. I mean, I, th I think it, the, the lesson learned here, Craig, is uh, not so much that you know we did something magical, but again, it's the power of influential leadership. Um, again, the servant leadership thing. It's the it's the idea of being able to foster cooperation, foster collaboration without forcing them to my position as director of communication. I mean, I said, look, you know, you know I'm in my room. If you think I can help you, I will be more than happy to help you. If, I, if you think I'm not necessary, it's up to you. But if my boss asks me, if I vet your materials, I will tell them no, uh, if, you, if, you if you decide to, to ignore what I can do. From then on, uh, gradually, th there was a change in, 
in cooperativeness. So much so that the director of marketing then said, made it very clear, from now on, all materials have to be vetted by either myself and or Noi, no exception. So that is almost an example. What I'm kind of hearing there is you had to, you had to build trust. Yes, yes. I had to build trust. I had to, to show them uh, that I cared for, for what they were doing, and that I understood their needs. And that's a really important thing that leaders need to do every day, isn't it? Yes, yes. Again, it, in the end, it's it's really, it really boils down to to caring for, for the people. doesn't matter whether they report to you or they belong to a different department. Right. It's, uh, it's being able to empathize and, and, and show to them that, look, this is a great company to work for. We're here to help. And I, I'm one, of my, one of the things I keep telling them is I'm here to help you succeed. Uh, I'm not competing with anyone. I'm, I'm out of here in less than 10 years. Noy Diliaco, thank you so much for the time today. This has been a really wonderful conversation. I'm sure our listeners have heard a lot today that they can uh, they can take away from this. I'm 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 honored to be here. By the way, if I may just add one more thing, we were talking about please. We were talking about uh, a decision making. Is the decision making process harder? Yes. One of the things I. Uh, experienced was in a large organization there are many people who can say no but very few people who can say yes and oftentimes the people who can say yes are way down the decision making chain and I've encountered this again in the area of uh, approving communication where before the agency would come and it's all the people who can say no meeting with them. So this was going on backwards and forwards. The agency would go back, they'd come back, still the same people who can say no. And by the time they get to their bosses who can say yes, the boss will say no, because he didn't like what, what he saw. So in this particular instance, I said, look, let's, let's try to experiment. I will only have one meeting. All those who can say yes, and all those who can say no, are in one meeting. This was a great challenge to the bosses who would always say, oh, no, no, I don't have the time. I said, it's important that we're all in that one meeting together. And after the presentation of the agency for approval, I would turn around to those who can say no, comments. And so we'd, we'd pick the comments. And then to the bosses who can say yes. Do you agree with the comment? Uh, what should we do? What, what we accomplished doing that was at the end of the meeting, we were very clear on what the agency could do or could not do. Right. So the next, when they turned around, yes, uh, the, the ones who can say yes need not be there anymore because after all, we've already discussed the details. I don't think that's still that's being done now, but how I wish they would, they would try that again because it saves a lot of time it saves a lot of uh, anguish and emotion. And uh, it doesn't waste the agency's time. Right. I was in a meeting last week very similar to that where uh, some people who had the power to say no to some things uh, 
you know, we just had to bring them together because they just didn't necessarily have all the information. And you can accomplish so much sometimes just by getting people in a room and and making sure everyone has all the same information, can't you? Yeah. Noy, thank you so much. Well, thanks again, Greg. Great conversation. My name is Craig Irons, and I want to thank you again for listening to the Leadership 480 podcast from DDI. And I want to remind you to make every moment of leadership count.